One thing to make our life a little bit easier, if it doesn't take an hour and a half to style my hair, then you know that's time that I can spend doing other things. Um, so there's, there's a multitude of reasons why women would want to relax their hair and why they continue to. But unfortunately, what we have learned is there are dangers associated with that that go far beyond what we ever connected it with. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Lynch, Landon Harlan, and Angela Ramos from Obu Interactive, and you're listening to the Cases for Causes podcast. Today we will discuss the connections between hair straighteners and uterine cancer with Danielle Ward-Mason of Bullock Ward-Mason LLC. Danielle has spent the last 13 years developing her expertise in complex civil litigation and mass torts, with trial verdicts and settlements over $1 billion. Nationally, Danielle is known for representing thousands of women in the Johnson & Johnson talcum powder ovarian cancer litigation. She lists consumer and client advocacy as her passion and aims to make products safer for consumers across the country. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us today. I wanted to get some information on the background of hair relaxers and their use by Black women today. Sure. So hair relaxers are a product that has been used in the Black community for about 100 years. The history goes back to an inventor who was a child of a slave. And he was actually trying to find a glide that could ease friction in sewing machines. And through this process, he found that the cream that he created actually straightened out textile fabric. And so he realized he could make curly things straight. And from there, he tested it on a dog and made the dog's curly hair straight. And that is how the first relaxer was born. And since then, relaxers have been you know, marketed to our community to help ease the, the kink and the coarseness of ethnic hair to make it straight and more manageable to style. So tell us a little bit more about some of the concerns and some of the factors for Black women in particular who may be using these products today. Sure. So a relationship between a Black woman and her hair is a very intimate one and one that is very deeply rooted in self-esteem, social acceptance, uh, the way we feel about ourselves, the way we feel others perceive us. And so there is a deep-rooted history in women being feeling compelled to wear hairstyles that are more assimilative to Eurocentric standards of beauty. And that tends to be what we see in the magazines and in the videos and, um, you know, print media is that that silky straight hair that flows and can move, um, that, that you can flip. And hair relaxers for Black women tend to allow us to be able to do that. And, you know, there's there's the the competing interest here of what's called natural hair. And when we wear our hair natural, that means, quite frankly, that it's not chemically treated. But natural styles can take on, you know, a lot of styling like braids and cornrows and locks that are really goes back to roots in, in times when we lived in Africa. We had a lot of pride in our hair during that time. And then once we came over through slavery, 
hair became more a source of shame. We were forced to cover it up. Um, we weren't allowed to care for it in the way that it needed to be cared for. So hair got more matted, more tangled. It was always having to be put up in a in a bun or a or a, a bonnet. Um, it couldn't be showcased in the way that we were used to showcasing it back when we were kings and queens in Africa, quite frankly. So the advent of slavery and you know all of the ills associated with that. You know, quite frankly, hair is one of the the least of the horrific things that happened to Black people during that time. But, you know, fortunately, hair became sort of that source of how do we emerge from this area of shame about our hair to regaining pride in our hair again. Hair relaxer sort of helped that transition. It allowed us, again, to be more assimilated into society. You know, I'm not from sure if anyone is familiar with what the Crown Act is, but it was a legislative act that came uh, that was introduced in 2018 to prohibit discrimination against black women and black people because there are men that wear locks and, and cornrows and braids to prevent the discrimination of our using those styles in professional settings. And there were actually cases that were brought where there was either wrongful termination or even being passed over for a professional opportunity just by virtue of how someone chose to wear their hair. So relaxers have just traditionally been something very simple and easy that we could go to, whether we went to a salon or we went to our local drugstore or grocery store or Sally Beauty Supply and bought a product that could be applied to the hair that, you know, more than anything gave us ease. That's one thing women kind of want in their life is just one thing to make our life a little bit easier. If it doesn't take an hour and a half to style my hair, then, you know, that's time that I can spend doing other things. Um, so there's there's a multitude of reasons why women would want to relax their hair and why they continue to. But unfortunately, what we have learned is there are dangers associated with that that go far beyond what we ever connected it with. And for a long time, all we connected it with was burning of the scalp, and you know, damaging the hair itself. But there are so many other deep-rooted diseases and debilitating conditions that have predominantly affected Black women. And there's a significant amount of evidence out there, scientific evidence, that suggests that hair relaxers are a contributing factor to that. Danielle, how do we decipher between the truths on hair relaxers and their significant impacts on the Black women audiences? Well, I think that's the important thing about what litigation brings to the forefront. When you bring a case in court that is alleging that a certain product is causing or is contributing to cause a certain disease, there's a lot of due diligence that's you know involved in that process. There is the internal documents from the companies or the defendants that are at issue. There's the medical literature that's out there that spans the gamut from, you know, animal studies to chemical studies to exactly what is in a hair relaxer. And so from our perspective, when we are able to gather all of this information and synthesize it in a way that is to be placed in front of a jury... We are able to answer 
all of those questions. Unfortunately, that is not the kind of synthesis that you can just go out on Google and figure out for yourself. There's a a number of people that are out here that, especially in the Black community, who have really had suspicions about hair relaxers for a very long time. Um, There have been a number of documentaries about it. Uh, If you can think back to uh, around 2009, the famous comedian Chris Rock did a documentary called Good Hair. And there was a scene in that documentary where a Coke can was placed inside the cream that you apply to your hair to relax the, the roots. And within 24 hours, the aluminum Coke can dissolved. Well, from an experiment like that, you can look at that and say, well, that that likely can't be good. But you don't know for sure what exactly that can do to the body over time. And so that is part of why, as we are start looking into this, you have to parse between what is anecdotal and what can be proven in court. I remember there's a line in a in a movie that I like, Law Abiding Citizen, and Jamie Foxx's character says something like, you know, it's not what we know, it's what we can prove. And so while there are people that may have had suspicions, it's about can we prove it? And it has taken some time to synthesize the information that is out there for people that can understand the the studies and the statistics and whether or not the studies were powered strong enough to capture the question or whether the study was designed in a way to actually answer definitively the questions that we have. Um, So for any skeptic, I know that it might even seem tiresome that lawyers come out and say, oh, here's another product that is likely causing you cancer or some other disease. But know that when that happens, there is a basis for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to bring it. And so that would be my message um, to say that we believe that there is significant enough evidence. And through our use of experts, through our litigative process, especially finding out what these companies knew in their internal documents, how long ago they knew it, what steps they took to help make us safer, all of that is what then combines together to make a, a case that we can bring that we believe we can have success in. Um, so for anybody that is skeptical for just one more product like talc, now there's another product. Unfortunately, the products that are made and designed and marketed to Black people have the highest level of toxicity. And there are a number of environmental reports that bear that out. So this is just one of many that ultimately there may be others that will come out of this litigation or this particular focus. But hair relaxers are definitely something that are causing significant problems in the Black community, predominantly affecting Black women. And it is time to shine the light on that. And that's what I would like to do. As far as some of the health implications, what is it that the young Black women can identify with that we can help them to understand that this is not something that necessarily is just a cancer-ridden type scenario, that there is multiple issues that can occur and early onset of those issues. Can we talk more of those medical implications? So um, on October 18th of this year, a new study was released linking hair relaxers to the development of uterine cancer. And that was the first study of its kind to link uterine cancer 
to the use of hair relaxers. But prior to that, the science seems to demonstrate that conditions like uterine tumors and fibroids, and another condition um, that I personally have experienced called endometriosis, are two diseases that are predominantly and more prominently developed in Black women. The incident rates of us developing those diseases at earlier ages is just alarmingly high. There are a number of studies that have looked at hair relaxers and those conditions specifically and have given us the basis for what could be increasing our risk to develop those diseases, which can develop really at any stage in time, but you are looking more so in a, if it were more of a natural development, it would happen later in age. What we're finding is that women, even as young as teenage years, especially if they were um, introduced to hair relaxers when they were children, they are developing fibroids and endometriosis at very young ages. And then by the time they're in their 20s and 30s and in their childbearing years, their conditions have festered to a point that a lot of the time the treatment options are very severe up to and including hysterectomy. So these are these are conditions that are very painful. They affect quality of life. They affect our ability to go to work or to school. We miss a lot of days because certain days in the menstrual cycle are so unbearable that literally all you can do is lay in bed and curl up in a fetal position. I've had those days myself. And so, you know, these are these are the kind of conditions that affect happiness, that affect the ability to function in society, the ability to have meaningful, intimate relationships sometimes. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, by the time it's discovered, again, the treatment options are very severe and, and results in sterilization, results in a lot of other infertility problems or miscarriages. And, and that's what these women are dealing with. They're dealing with multiple surgeries to remove fibroids that, you know, f- for Black women, there's a 56% chance that once you remove fibroids the first time within five years, they're going to return. And from the clients that I have spoken to, that seems to be a very recurring theme. So these are issues that don't just go away, even if you stop using relaxers. The relaxer chemicals are creating an endocrine disruption that proliferates the growth of excess tissue. And that's what uterine tumors and fibroids tend to be. That's what endometriosis is. It's excess tissue that is growing in places that it shouldn't. It affects the ability for if you are trying to have a child, for that child, um, that embryo to implant into the uterine wall, like what's supposed to happen for, for child development. And so, you know, we're talking about things that are that are far reaching and have far implications in terms of quality of life and then the options that we have to cure that disease, but also you know, maintain our ability to start families. And these are very difficult decisions and very difficult things that that clients are facing. Danielle, do you have any specific story that you would like to share that has impacted you specifically? I was eight years old when I got my first relaxer kit put in my head. My mom did it. I remember when I was young, I had very thick 
long, coarse hair. And it took forever for my mother to style it. I remember the nights when I would sit between her legs and she would, you know, part it through and put oil on my scalp and try to plaid and braid it so that it would stay manageable and not get all tangled up. But I I was what we call tenderheaded. Um, So any kind of styling to my head, trying to get it all combed out and detangled, It was painful. I would cry um, because it was just so hard to manage. And so, you know, without knowing any better, either from my side as a child or my mom's side, who, you know, didn't want to spend an hour and a half every night doing that to my hair, hair relaxers seemed to be, you know, sort of a saving grace um, for all of us. It kept my scalp from hurting every time she wanted to style it. The the time it took to, to do it was reduced. You know, I could go swimming, I could, you know, engage in sports and sweat it out and not have to worry about just sort of destroying my look or having to go through a whole nother process of of the wash and 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 style and, and plait. And so, you know, the relaxers were a saving grace to us. But unfortunately, by the time I was 12 years old, I started my first period when I was 11. And by the time I was 12, I realized that I was having pain that seemed extraordinary for just what a normal period cramp should feel like and excessive bleeding that did not seem normal. And my mom took me to a gynecologist, even though that's very young to to start going to such a doctor. But fortunately, my gynecologist wanted to you know, do everything. He ordered all of the diagnostic tests. I had an ultrasound that then diagnosed cysts on both of my ovaries. And then I had a laparoscopic procedure that diagnosed me with endometriosis. I had about 80% blockage in both of my fallopian tubes and was told I'd likely never have children because of that. I went through a course of treatment um, at that time. And still today, a lot of times what doctors will prescribe is birth control pills to help shrink the cysts, but also to regulate the menstrual cycle to help ease the pain. I also had to take full strength NSAIDs. I couldn't do over-the-counter Midol or Tylenol. That didn't even put a dent in it for me. Um, I had to take muscle relaxers and NSAIDs just to be able to go to school. I remember the first couple of days, if it fell during the weekday, I would tell my mom, I can't go to school today. Um, it would it would just be that, that, that terrible. I did end up getting pregnant. Uh, I have a son that today is 25, but my pregnancy with him was very high risk. And by the time I was 27 weeks, he came very early. That was a very scary time. I was young and that his being early had all its complications. Uh, I tried to have another child very soon after him. Could We couldn't. Uh, my husband and I tried. We couldn't. It just never happened. We gave up on it. Ten years later, I had his brother. Same situation. Very difficult pregnancy. Um, I had to get progesterone shots in my hip every week just to make sure that he would stay in the womb. They became very painful over time, made it difficult to walk or even lay on my sides. And then unfortunately, after his birth, my endometriosis became so untenable. I I was bleeding more weeks out of the month than I wasn't. I was in extreme pain. And by the time I was 36, my only option to cure it was to have a hysterectomy. Thank you for sharing that. And to our audience, I I sure know that that 
is something that's a gynecological history that women are going through utilizing these products. So thank you for sharing that. It is. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm love the conversations that I get to have with the clients that I've spoken to, you know, it, it really is a, a therapeutic thing for me, but also one that breaks my heart every time because I hear my story along with theirs and, you know, from the ones that I'm able to talk to and share that with, they hear their story in mine. And I think that that creates a wonderful relationship um, of understanding. And I think that that's important in the attorney-client relationship. And that's why I really feel, you know, these cases are, are not just any old case to me. Um, it's very personal. And I'm personally invested in, you know, getting to the root of what's going on here to hold people accountable for not taking the steps to inform us about this sooner. It is in the wheelhouse 100% for any manufacturer of a product that is over the counter, like how these products are, are purchased, to tell us what's in them, what, what chemicals are in them, to tell us if anything could be associated to that that could bring us harm. And to date, there has been no Herolox or Box or, you know, ingredient listing that gives all of the chemical components that gives any of us any notice that conditions like what I have just described and what other women are experiencing in terms of fibroids, in terms of uterine cancer, breast cancer. Um, there are some studies that are linking it to that as well. There's nothing to tell us that those are conditions we could be facing just to achieve straight hair. And there are other ways that we can achieve straight hair through straightening tools and use of heat and other styling methods that we can use that don't have to push us into danger. For those women that are listening out there to your story, Danielle, how can they come forth? How can they start the process with you and understand that by using this product, they have an opportunity. Thank you for that question. And first, I want to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to be on this podcast so that I can reach the women out there that do have these questions. I am here to help. Um, to give you a little more background about me, uh, I've been practicing law for 14 years, and I've always been on the side of the person versus an establishment. I started um, as an assistant federal defender for the Middle District of Alabama and then went into civil practice where I primarily represented men and women who have used defective drugs, medical devices, and more recently consumer products that have caused them harm. And that has been the, the bulk of my career. Um, this is something that I'm very passionate about because I believe that corporate responsibility, particularly when it comes down to the products that we have to choose from on a shelf, that responsibility necessarily encompasses keeping us safe. And that is what I have spent my entire legal career trying to do. So if there are questions, um, and, I'm, and I know that given the nature of this kind of litigation, many people are probably seeing a number of lawyers that are out there that are advertising for these cases and telling them to call them. I am here to say that of those choices, I am uniquely situated 
to help you answer your questions and address your concerns, you can call and speak to me directly. You can reach out to me at my email address, danielle at bwmlaw.com. You can also reach me by phone at area code 770-202-4603. One of the litigations that I have spent the the majority of my career working on was the talcum powder litigation against Johnson & Johnson. And talcum powder you know, is something that I was raised on. That's another story that I personally knew from my own life. Uh, My mom was an avid user of it. My grandmother taught my mama to use it. My mama taught me to use it. That is sort of the standard story in, in the talcum powder litigation. It's so soft. It smells so sweet. You know, it was part of hygiene when you took your bath. Powder had to go on or you were not clean. You know, and I know that a number of you that are out there listening know that story just as well. I was able to, as a as a woman, but also the only person of color, try those cases um, against Johnson & Johnson with resounding success in the city of St. Louis. Um, I was able to work with our team to amass hundreds of millions of dollars in trial verdicts for very deserving clients who developed ovarian cancer after decades and decades of use of talcum powder in the genital area. So cases related to products that are part of our everyday life and we really think we can't do without them. That has been my history and that has been my area of expertise and one that I really want to focus on for the remainder of my career. Because what we have found, and again, I mentioned this earlier, environmental groups have done testing on products that are designed and marketed to the Black community. And what we're finding is high, high levels of toxicity in some of those products that are resulting in significant and very sort of signature injuries, depending on what that product is. And so with hair relaxers, what we're finding, especially as it relates to fibroids and endometriosis, but also potentially cancers as well, we are finding that those conditions are affecting Black women at such a high rate that the only other common cause that we all have, um, and some studies estimate that 90% of us have either used or continue to use hair relaxers. It is a common theme that is resulting in common outcomes. And that is something that litigation can help highlight. I personally, there are a lot of good lawyers out there, but I believe that I have both the personal knowledge and have put in the work and the time to get to the bottom of these issues. And I would be more than happy to talk to anyone who has any questions about whether or not they feel like they have a case or whether or not the conditions that they are currently suffering are likely due to the products that they've used. So my my email again, danielle at bwmlaw.com. My phone number, 770-202-4603. I'm happy to talk to you. For those women, daughters, mothers, grandmothers who are looking to come forth, what types of conversations would you have with them to give them the information they need to move forward? Well, I think one of the first conversations is, are you still using hair relaxers? I've talked to a number of women and fortunately, a lot of them have stopped the creamy crack. Um, And that's in our community is what we've called it. Um, And that's and that's a good thing. 
for anyone that is still using it today, um, I would recommend today is a great day to embrace your natural hair and your natural beauty because there is, I can't guarantee that there's safety in that because of the use for so long. But what I can say is that you are starting a process of not continuing to introduce endocrine disrupting chemicals that are found in all hair relaxers into your system, into your bloodstream to continue causing you further problems. The next thing I would say, um, and I am not a doctor, and so this is not to be taken as any medical advice, but what I am hearing in a lot of the stories is that women, when they start to experience more pain, more cramping, more heavy bleeding, and they go to their doctors, there's a concern that their concerns are not being fully addressed and that they are not being given basic diagnostic tests and things like that that can help them get to the root of the symptoms that they're experiencing. What is the underlying cause? What is the condition that is creating that situation? And so for women that are feeling like right now they are trying to get answers, but they feel like their doctor isn't giving it to them, I would recommend a second opinion go to another doctor who would be willing to run an ultrasound. Maybe you need a laparoscopic procedure that can get in there and finally figure out what needs to be done. And with that, if the treatment options are more severe than you'd like, if a doctor just jumps immediately to a hysterectomy, but you're of childbearing years and age and know that you want to have children one day, A second opinion, again, there may be another doctor who can look at your situation and maybe help you preserve your ability to fulfill that dream. So those are some of the things that I would say, you know, especially for anyone that's still using relaxers. And I I get it. Um, I stopped using relaxers in 2009. That was a, a one of the natural movements that I think, you know, we can trace. And there have been a few over the course of the years. When that one hit was when I decided. And I, I get how difficult that was. Um, the transition, the, you know, the decision to have to cut your hair, to let it try to grow back out into its natural undamaged form, the transition of going through what your roots are going to do for a while until you can train them either using heat or other styling methods. That is a process that is not easy. And I've, I've gone through it before. I, I slipped back into it after not being able to go through it as, as much as I wanted to. I, I'm happy to say today that I no longer do. I, I would just encourage women to really think about what those other styling options are as an alternative to using hair relaxers, given the information that we're coming into and what the science is suggesting um, for our overall health. And certainly, 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 let's stop putting it on our children. Adults are one thing, but one of the things that we are learning is that these, these potential conditions are could be made worse because we're being introduced to it so young. As a child of eight, maybe, you know, you wait until you're an adult to make these decisions, but let's please stop putting it on our our little girls and so that they can grow up feeling beautiful with the way that their hair grows out of their head, but also protect their future to be moms one day. 
Um, I think that this is gravely important. And, you know, these are the things in the conversations that I want to have in this litigation that goes beyond just what is going to go on in court. This is also just about Black women and us truly coming into a space where we embrace and love ourselves for who we are, for how we look, for what we are here to be on this world to do. Um, those are the things that matter. And the, the, the superficiality of it, the, the cosmetic nature, the continued push toward a certain standard of beauty, we absolutely can crush that because we have our own standard of beauty and we don't have to meet anyone else's. Danielle, thank you so much for speaking on the podcast today. Uh, we certainly have felt such a strong embrace for this cause, for the Black women out there, and especially um, embracing their natural beauty. So I certainly hope that you will get that audience to come and have those important conversations. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Again, I want to thank Danielle so much for joining us today. We really appreciate her coming on and sharing her expertise on this important issue. If you want to find out more about Danielle, Bullock Ward Mason LLC, or the dangers of hair relaxer products, you can visit www.bwmlaw.com. I also want to thank all of you out there for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Cases for Causes and you'd like to help support the podcast, please hit that subscribe button, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Obu Interactive, you can follow us on Instagram at Obu Interactive or visit us at obuinteractive.com. Thanks again, and until next time, work passionately, live peacefully.